On episode 429 of Nintendo Switchcraft, BlizzCon announcements, 3DS games on the Switch, Zelda speaks to me herself, those stories and more on this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft. Hey y'all, this is James Thomas Lewis II, but you can call me Jamie, and you are listening to Nintendo Switchcraft. Welcome back to Switchcraft. It is brought to you live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, except today is Sunday, and you might be saying to yourself, Bill, no, it's not. It's Monday. I'm listening to it right now. Bill, that's okay. That's because that's when the show's coming out. But it is brought to you live on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, except for tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday, and after work, I have a meeting, so I won't be able to actually do the show at the regular time. I just got back from Retro Game Con, and I decided... I have a little time right now. I might as well sit down and record. And Fisto, thank you very much for your 16 months of support. They just subscribed right during the intro. So I want to say thank you to them uh, for 16 months of support here on Twitch. Uh, Speaking of Twitch, you can tune in live to the show at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. This episode of Switchcraft is made possible by patrons uh, like Christopher R., You can get Switchcraft and my other content ad-free for as little as a dollar by joining us over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And of course, if you want to leave a voicemail like you heard at the beginning of the show, you can can do that easily from any device by heading on over to uh, runjumpstomp.com slash voicemail. Again, do that from any device and I may even play it on the show. Uh, So real quick before we get into it again... I'm sorry that there's no live show at the regular time tomorrow. I have a work thing and I can't get out of it, of course. So uh, that's why, you know, that stuff always has to come first. But I want to talk about this thing that is sitting behind me that if you are listening to the show, you probably can't see. But sitting behind me on my Switch dock, I'm going to have to move my microphone and lean forward just a little bit so that you can see it. Uh, but, uh, sitting behind me on my switch or on my switch dock is a very, very cool light up dock. Now this dock, I will put a link in the show notes for, if you want to buy this light up dock, um, it's like $16, maybe, maybe $18 or something like that. I can't remember exactly how much it costs because I bought it ages ago. Um, I wanted something that would light up, uh, because I've got it here on in my studio where people can see it with this camera and I thought it would look really cool if it lit up uh and it came with like the uh, I had a choice of two different Pokemon panels and I've had a Pokemon panel on there since I got the thing last Christmas so over a year now and I always thought it looked really really cool but then I saw on Reddit that somebody did personalized um plates for the front of this thing so I reached out to them and I said hey, would you be able to do something with this logo? And I sent them my podcast art. And the guy said, absolutely. And uh, he didn't even charge me for it. So obviously I need to talk about it here on the show. This apparently is an ad because he did give me a free uh, a free plate for the front of my Nintendo Switch dock. But uh, he didn't give me any money or anything like that. So don't think of it like... I, I would not 
say good things about it if I didn't think it was cool. And this thing looks really, really cool. It looks better in person than it does uh, on this on the video, but I think it looks fantastic for both. And I will definitely take a picture later and post it to my Instagram and my Twitter. Uh, but it it basically is the front of my uh, Nintendo Switchcraft uh, album art, and it just looks fantastic sitting there on the front of the dock. And I wanted to tell people about it because he did such a, or she, I don't know. Uh, they did a very, very good job on this. Uh, so if you want to check out their Etsy shop, you can go to etsy.com slash shop slash CO2 studio. All right. That's etsy.com slash shop slash CO2 studio. And you can check out their stuff there. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I kind of like the idea of decorating my 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 Nintendo Switch dock. But I don't want it to have a light under it. Like maybe you keep it in the bedroom or something like that and you don't want to have a light under it. In which case, I would point you to my wife's uh, Nintendo Switch. Uh, I'm sorry, not Nintendo Switch. My wife's Etsy shop uh, where she makes cloth uh, dock socks that go on the front of the Nintendo Switch dock. And they look fantastic. And she does a great job with them. Uh, she's been making them for a couple of years now, I feel like. Uh, but they're, you can find them at uh, etsy.com slash shop slash run, jump, stomp. And uh, she just does a fantastic job with that stuff. And it doesn't light up. So if you're looking for something to sit under the, under the TV that's not like glow in the dark, then that's definitely uh, something you would want to consider. For me, in this room, I think that this is the, the right way to go. But in the other room, we have dock socks on our on our Nintendo Switch docks. And I think that, you know, it all depends on what room it's in and uh, what you're using it for. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to make sure that I pointed that out because it looks very, very cool. All right, let's talk about um, BlizzCon. BlizzCon, first off, I will say this. Uh, they opened up BlizzCon with an apology. I don't know that the apology really means much because I don't know that their policies will change. We'll see. But they did apologize for the way that they behaved in reaction to uh, Blitzchung's uh, supporting Hong Kong after he won. And I understand why they want to make sure that uh, people don't use uh, you know, them winning as a political platform. But the way that they reacted was way too fast and way too harsh. And hopefully in the future, that kind of thing uh, doesn't happen. Uh, but anyway, they did uh, do make some announcements and they do uh, affect the Nintendo Switch. Um, first off, Overwatch is getting a sequel, Overwatch 2. And when I first heard that, I was like, okay, cool. What's going to happen to the original Overwatch game? And I feel like Blizzard is doing something incredibly good with uh, with this. They are making a sequel to a game. And they are essentially making sure that the community community is not split. Because far too often what happens is the next game in a series comes out and then half the people are playing the original game half the people are playing the new game and now the community is split and because the community is split people are less likely to find the match that they want to find uh with overwatch 2 that's not happening with overwatch 2 everything that comes with overwatch 2 also gets put into 
the original Overwatch. So every new hero that's coming in Overwatch 2 is going in the original Overwatch. Every PvP map that you can play on in Overwatch 2, you can play on in Overwatch and vice versa. Uh, there's a new mode where it's called Push, which I honestly, I'm not sure what the difference is between Push and the one where we have to escort the cart already. Because uh, that, that kind of seems like another push mechanic. But I'm sure that there is a a difference. And I just I haven't looked into it enough to, to tell you that difference yet. Um, it's been a crazy, crazy weekend. Um, but that's coming to the original Overwatch as well. So one might ask... Oh, and uh, new graphics. They're updating the game to have a slightly different look. And I do think it looks really good. It's definitely still in line with Overwatch, without a doubt. But I still think that the new look does look really good. Now, you might be asking yourself, self, if all of this stuff is coming to Overwatch 1, why am I going to bother buying Overwatch 2? And uh, here's the reason why. PvE. Overwatch 2 is going to have not only PvE, but story mode. And I think that that is very, very important to Overwatch. They have spent the last couple of years, I think it came out in 2016, so they've been spent the last three years doing a really good job of world building with Overwatch, but they haven't really told us the story. We know who the good guys are. We know who the bad guys are. We know what this world is like, but we don't know why things are happening. And it's something that I've always been really, really curious about. Like my son, he has some Overwatch comics. Like that's one way that they've been telling the story of Overwatch is through graphic novels and comics and stuff like that. I tend not to look at that stuff, so I'm not sure uh, exactly what's happening. But I can't wait to get my hands on uh, the PvE mode and play through hero missions and find out more about these characters and you got to give it to Blizzard. They've done a good job crafting this world and making iconic characters in the Overwatch uh, um, universe. Uh, it, it's just really amazing. Creativity Cal in chat is saying, isn't the only thing that's exclusive to Overwatch 2 is the PvE mode, uh, plus the official animated shorts, which are the main drivers of lore? Yes, that's true. Uh, yeah, the only thing that that is exclusive to Overwatch 2 is the PvE mode. And... Because Blizzard is doing this, I am much more likely to buy Overwatch 2 than I probably would have been otherwise because I feel like they are respecting the players. Oh, and by the way, you might be wondering, I unlocked all of this stuff in Overwatch 1. What do I, What happens to it when, when I play Overwatch 2? Your skins come forward with you, Okay. Uh, and I think that that's a very important thing because a lot of people have spent a bunch of money on um, on skins in Overwatch and they want to have those skins when they go on to the next game. You know, money and time they've spent a lot of. Now, where am I going to buy Overwatch 2? Am I going to buy it for the Nintendo Switch? And the answer to that is probably no. Not unless Blizzard changes and allows cross progression. Uh, right now I've bought Overwatch on the PC and I also bought it on the PS4 
And I personally, I like it better on the PS4 just because I don't like using mouse and keyboard that much. Not because I don't like it as an input method, but because of uh, old broken bones don't like to twist the right direction when using WASD. Uh, So a controller is more comfortable for me. And that's where I like to play it. Now, up until now, well, no, still at this point, um, Blizzard still does not offer any kind of cross uh, progression. So the things that I unlocked on the PC version, they're locked to the PC version. The things that I unlocked on the PS4 version are locked to the PS4 version. And if I bought the Nintendo Switch, I would not be able to take the things that I've unlocked and move them over. Maybe with Overwatch 2, that will change. I don't know. I hope so. It would be nice, but I I really don't know. Um, They also announced Diablo 4, and I know that Diablo 3 is on the Nintendo Switch, but it looks like Diablo 4 will not be. And the reasoning is that it is an always online game. It is essentially kind of like an MMO. People who were playing Diablo 4 at BlizzCon, because there was a demo that they could play, uh, they were saying that they would be running through the wasteland, fighting demons and and uh, you know minions of hell, and another player or two would walk by and join them, and then they would fight together for a little while, and then they would split off uh, and go do their own thing, which I think is cool. I always kind of wanted um, a Diablo MMO, especially. I mean, World of Warcraft actually started out as an MMO or as a Diablo game. I mean. At least I believe that that's what I remember reading. It was a long time ago. Um, I, I, I really wish that Diablo Four were coming to the Nintendo Switch, but apparently it's not, and that's the reason. That being said, Diablo Three was always online, and it has a Nintendo Switch version, so maybe that's just a temporary thing. I don't know. Uh, anyway, let's. Let's talk about uh, Mr. Furukawa. If you don't know who he is, he is the president and CEO. CEO? I don't think he's the CEO. I think he's just the president of Nintendo. Uh, He's the uh, president of Nintendo, Mr. Shintaro Furukawa. And uh, he was appointed earlier this year. He took over for Mr. Kimishima, who uh, took over when Mr. Iwata died. Uh, he was recently interviewed, and he was talking to um, bringing, uh, Silicon Era, and he said some very interesting stuff. Uh, the stuff that he said that I thought was really great is, here's the quote. Mr. Furukawa says, With the release of the Nintendo Switch Lite, there is a possibility to bring back titles. I lost my place. To bring back titles that have previously been developed for handheld consoles. However, within Nintendo... Rather than releasing past handheld games because of the Nintendo Switch Lite's release, we are discussing more of what sorts of new games we can create for the entire Nintendo Switch family. Within that, we are also considering past titles, but regarding what sorts of discussions are being held in detail, there's nothing I can say at present. This kind of makes me think that Nintendo is, is considering bringing forward some... Um, some franchises that have previously been trapped on the handheld market. Um, now I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is because I want to know what 3ds or DS games do you want to see on the Nintendo Switch or the Switch Lite? You know, they're both they they both play the same games for the most part. 
And I don't have two Nintendo examples off the top of my head, but the first thing I did is is I looked on the shelf behind me, and I've got a pile of 3DS games back there, and I looked on there, and I said, which of these games are not represented on the Nintendo Switch, and I absolutely want to play them on the Nintendo Switch? And the first one is one that I think everybody's going to say, and that is Bravely Default. Uh, Bravely Default is a fantastic JRPG, of course, from Square Enix. It is super fun, and I would love to get the next Bravely Default game coming to the Nintendo Switch. Square Enix has been a pretty good supporter of the Switch, so I I anticipate this happening. Uh, but if uh, if you were to ask me, Bill, what is a 3DS game, uh, publisher aside, that you want on the Nintendo Switch, it would be this one. Uh, this was such an easy answer, though, uh, it, to, to talk about Bravely Default. So what's another game that I would like to have on the on the Switch um, that isn't on the Switch? And you know what? I should have grabbed it, but I didn't grab it. Um, but Mario vs. Donkey Kong. I think Mario vs. Donkey Kong would be a fantastic um, game to have on the Nintendo Switch. Gosh, am I remembering wrong? I feel like there is a Mario vs. Donkey Kong on the Nintendo Switch. I'm going to go to Nintendo's website right now. When, Bill? Right now, as we speak. And I'm going to type in Mario versus Mario versus. Is there a Mario versus Donkey Kong? It was on the Wii U, not the 3D or, or not the uh not the Switch. Yeah, so there was a Mario versus Donkey Kong game that came out for the Wii U and the 3DS, and it never came to the Switch, and I would love it if that game came to the Switch. Uh, all right, I'm going to give you one more, and then I want to hear what you all want to come to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and if you want to let me know, that's easy. Runjumpstomp at gmail.com. Tweet at me at runjumpstomp. All right, I want to know what you think should come to the Nintendo Switch from the 3DS and, and DS library. And the next one is going to be one that I don't think a lot of people will pick, and that is Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm. Uh, this is a very, very interesting game. It is a music rhythm game, and it features Final Fantasy music, and it is super, super fun. It's done really, really well, and uh, the music's fantastic, and it, it can be done with touchscreen or with button presses. I hated the touchscreen part of it, but the button presses were really fun, and it's a great way to listen to some really cool Final Fantasy music. I would love to see more theater rhythm games coming to the Nintendo Switch. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, but Theater Rhythm for Final Fantasy Curtain Call is an amazing game on the 3DS, and I want more of this to come to the Nintendo Switch. I want to feature more of these awesome portable games. All right, let's look at what Chad is saying. Right now, uh, Dex Retro is saying, I loved Bravely Default and Bravely Second. Was not a huge fan of Octopath Traveler. I really liked Octopath myself. Fisto says, I want Link Between Worlds, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Yoshi, Yoshi's Woolly World, WarioWare and all Luigi's Mansions. Um, WarioWare right there. I forgot about that. That's my bad. Yes, WarioWare Gone Gold, I think, is the one that came out when the uh, when the Switch came out. And uh, that that was a game that I, I would have bought had it come to the Switch, but instead it came to the 3DS, and I thought that that was, uh, that was disappointing. Johnny Link in chat says, more Zelda on Switch is never a bad thing. I would like to, to have the, the Three Sword Adventures or whatever that one was called. Um, that was pretty fun, and I think it would have been awesome to bring that to the Switch where it's got a bigger 
um, I don't know, a, a better online infrastructure, at least uh, a, a little better. Uh, anyway, uh, so that that is what I think about Mr. what Mr. Furukawa said. He, he had said some other stuff, but I'm not going to get into it uh, because I have an interview that I'm going to play for you in just a minute. But before I do, I want to say uh, here is uh, another. This is very, very cool. Super Mario um, Maker 2 came to the Nintendo Switch, and this is very cool. Somebody decided to make Super Mario Brothers 3 The Lost Levels, uh, which is basically they made a, like eight different worlds uh, of uh, levels. Uh, basically, 32 levels are in this thing, and they've got these, these uh, cool challenges where you can play in the dark or you have secrets to discover or the enemies team up and work together in order to make things harder for you. Uh, it just seems really well made from this video. Now, I have not tried it myself because I saw it right before I started recording, but they even made like a story for it and they've got a website where it has a list of all of the levels. Uh, they call it Super Mario Brothers 3 The Lost Levels. And if you want a link to it in the show notes, uh, go to runjumpstomp.com and this is episode number 400 and. 29 429 uh, so you can find that it looks really cool the thing that it made me think of is damn it nintendo why don't you have a way for people to link their levels together so that they could just do one code and go from one to the next to the next to the next i think that that would be really really fantastic all right uh before we get out of here i was at retro game con today and i met um uh, Patricia Somerset, who, for those of you who don't know, she was the voice of Zelda in Breath of the Wild. I met her today, and we sat down, and she was very, very uh, generous with her time. She sat down with me for uh, 10 minutes or so, and we had a conversation about what it was like to make that game. Uh, and I'm going to post that, put that in here in post uh, so that you guys can check it out. Uh, so I'm going to do that after the fact. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show now. But for you, uh, listener at home, uh, you're going to hear the interview first and then the outro. Well, excuse me, princess. So I am here with Patricia Somerset. She is the voice of Zelda in Breath of the Wild. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. So what was it like for you to get this job as the voice of Zelda. I know that I, I was just in your Q&A session and you said that you kind of grew up playing these games. What was it like when you realized that this is what was happening? Oh, man, how can you even sum that up in, in a few words? It's like, um, it came at such a, an interesting time for me because I had moved to LA and was pursuing voice acting with a, a more rigorous... <laughs> um, tempo let's say and I was really just hoping to make a, a great impression when I went in for that audition and then went in for the callback and then discovered that I'd landed a role in a game and it wasn't until I signed the NDAs and everything that I discovered that the role was Zelda and upon hearing that I think I I had one of those like you know when you jump out of a plane and you just like you're falling and you have a, an adrenaline rush that comes yeah like a like a torrential storm it was a bit like that I, I sometimes um, people have asked me that before and I've said I almost peed my pants. That's <laughs> felt a little bit like that. <laughs> so now that you, let me ask you a question about the process. What 
it, it's usually as a voice actor, it's you standing there in front of a microphone with your with your lines in front of you, and then there's somebody behind the glass giving you direction. What kind of things did they say to you, or, or did you already come up with who this character was ahead of time? Mm, well, because of the audition process, uh, the stuff that I brought into the room was relatively similar to what we ended up doing for the recording because they, they had cast it off of the auditions. Uh, so that was great. That that part of it had already been sort of figured out. Uh, but in terms of the actual, like how we kept on breathing life into it and bringing new stuff when the new lines would come in and the story would start to take shape as the recording processes uh, evolved, um, we had a great director, Jamie Mortolaro. He would give us quite detailed line readings so that we had something to react off of um, in the room. And I actually did get the script a little bit in advance, so I had something to look at before I went in. And it's also dubbing work, so you're matching lip flaps, which is more technically challenging. And that, that was something that you have to contend with too, so it was good to get a little bit more preparation in that. Um, you know, all the scripts were translated and then matched to the Japanese lip flaps. Mm -hmm. So that, that was, it, it's, it is, it's incredibly technical stuff, and so you wanna, <laughs> you need to give extra work to make it more lifelike. Um, but yeah, we had an awesome director that really helped. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to add to that. That's, that's pretty much it. You go in and you you breathe and then you, you put yourself in the present moment. You take a stance. Usually when I'd be standing as that character, I would lift the energy from my gut to my chest a little bit more so that I'm taking on a bit of a younger archetype. And I'd widen my eyes and become a little bit more sort of fragile before I would do the lines to sort of put myself in a physical place where it made more sense to be speaking from that character's voice. You mentioned the lip flaps, but I mean, I'm trying to understand. So they do they actually have different lip flaps depending on the localization? So you're matching, she shook her head. Uh, so you're matching a English voice to Japanese lip flaps, right? That's not always the case with dubbing, but for this project, I believe it was in every language, yeah. Um, they did a, a translation of the script into different languages um, based on the Japanese lip flaps and that timing and the way that, that, was, that the cinematics were set in Japanese. So we were all working with a, a slightly different language within those lip flaps, which made it extra challenging, really. Yeah. Um, but it isn't always like that. A lot of anime does not do that. A lot of dubs are like the, the flaps are created afterwards. But yeah. Right. So you most of the time you'll talk and then they'll say, OK, well, she paused between these two words. So let's slow down the animation there. That makes a lot of sense. It's got to be one of the most watched trailers of any video game ever. And that scene in that trailer where Zelda kind of falls into his lap and is crying is pretty powerful stuff. Uh, what was your reaction the first time actually being able to see it in its uh, finished form? Mm. Oh man, the excitement for watching that trailer was was really something. And the, the music, the, the score that they used for the trailer, which led to all the different, it, it was just, it was thrilling beyond belief to watch that. Um, there was, there was something, you know, when we were doing that scene in the room, there was a lot of talk about, like, they wanted her to, like, she's breaking down and she's very fragile, but she's also very strong. And we were trying to find the balance of that um, in that scene. Um, she's an incredibly stoic character, and particularly the English version, they wanted her to be quite stoic. And so we went with that and then crumbled her down from there. 
um, and then they they chose what they wanted to for that. Yeah, so seeing it all all together was was really quite something. I, yeah. So you um, had to adopt an accent for those of you listening. Um, obviously, not an English speaking. Well, English speaking, but doesn't have a like a British accent. Did you come up with that on your own, or did you have to take lessons or anything to help you better prepare for that? Whenever I do accent work, uh, I always prepare for it, especially when it's a dialect where you are taking on a completely developed accent or dialect, let's say, that's still English but is completely full. Like if you're doing German or Russian, you're, you're taking English and you're putting little lilts into them. When you're taking a dialect, it's, it's much harder to go and like take on the fullity of another language. So uh, in that case, with the which is a pretty standard RP British, which is what I was working off of, um, an educated, you know, BBC British. Uh, that uh, was kind of, you know, that is yeah. sort of, and also, and then like a little bit heightened, like Queen's English sometimes. Um, I studied in London, and I did my Masters of Classical Acting over there. And funny enough, when I did prepare for this, the audition, of course, I didn't know it was Zelda, but when I did prepare for this role, I used one of my classmates who was also in L.A., and he'd become an actor that had moved to the States as well, and he was British. And I was like, you know, Chris, can you help me with, with these bits of dialogue that I have for this audition? And then I would practice that, that accent. And then I ended up using, this is kind of really hilarious, I should say that, a little bit of like Emma Watson and stuff um, okay. when I was preparing, just both for her energy and her tone and the fact that she's got such a great educated but like high-spirited rebelliousness to her in a lot of her roles. I thought she was a great person to work off of, so I, I would reference her at times or channel her a little bit at times. Was there anything, I'm sure that there was, but how much do you feel like you recorded that we never got to see in the game? Was there a lot? Mm. I can't really talk about that stuff very much because I feel like if I did, it would be a bit of a breach. Um, but as far as, I, I don't think there... They were pretty clear about what they wanted when they came in, and it was all very prepared. It, by the time it gets to us in this particular process with Nintendo, everything is very, very prepared and, and detailed and thought through. So, I don't know. I, yeah, that's as much as I'll say about that. that. That's fair. It's fair. I don't want you to get in trouble. I mean, we've got the sequel coming. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you anything about that. Uh, so, is there anything about the process of making a game with Nintendo like like in this case, Breath of the Wild, that felt different than your other voice acting jobs that you've had? There are a lot of different feelings I get with different voice acting things that I get to do and the companies and the way that they have a flavor when they go into a room. Almost all of them are very good experiences. I guess what makes Nintendo unique is that by the time we were working on the game and knew what the game was, Nintendo has a kind of, um, they have a magical mystery around them. And you, you feel that in the room just as you feel that when you, when you think about Nintendo. Um, so I, I, I hold them to such high regard. And going into a room like that felt very, um, like it was, I'm trying to, I'm like doing hand movements trying to figure this out. It has a it has a kind of mysterious, like a magical quality. That's all I can say. And everybody feels it. It feels like a little bit sacred or something when you're when you're working for them. So, did you play the game? I did. Yes, I have not beaten the game, but uh, <laughs> I've I've probably logged about forty hours of the game. That, that's that's not a small amount. So that's pretty good. And it's like I got two hundred hours in that game, but oh. you know I it's it's part of my job is to talk about the game. So it's kind of my job to do that. It's not your job to 
to play it. It is your job to make it. And thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me about your experience as Zelda. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. So thanks again to Patricia. If you want to follow her on uh, social media, her username is at Somerset underscore. That's uh, two M's and two T's. Gosh, I hope I'm getting that right. S-U-M-M-E-R-S-E-T-T underscore. Let me find her. Where is she? Yes, I got it right. Yeah, that's two M's and two T's with an underscore at the end. And uh, you'll know because when you when you Google it, she comes up as an American actress. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you to Patricia for taking the time to talk to me. It was really, really nice of her. And uh, she was just really, really funny and awesome and uh, a, a good interviewee. Uh, become a part of the community over at runjumpstomp.com slash discord. You can also watch the show live at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. You can get a hold of me by emailing me, runjumpstomp at gmail.com. Uh, this show is part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. For more information, check out gstu.net. If you want to support the show, go to runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. And the music you're hearing right now is Corneria Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. I will see you all next time. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful day, and thanks once again to Patricia for uh, taking the time to talk to me. See you guys soon. Bye-bye.